Hello and welcome to Clamp, the weekly podcast where we talk about all things related to creating, living, and making projects. I'm your host, Grant Alexander, and joining me as always is Morley Kurt, Adam Mackey. And today, Adam came up with a fun topic for us to talk about. So over to you, Adam. Yeah, so I want to talk about making projects for the content. Uh, so for instance, right now I am going through a build series of using a 3D printer to improve my shop or make me want to be in my shop. And instead of just buying some containers to put in my workbench to organize everything, I'm 3D printing everything and getting videos out of that. I'm going to redo my tool wall by 3D printing hooks to hang everything as opposed to just putting a screw in the wall. And I feel like if I wasn't making content, I wouldn't really care about doing that. I would just buy the containers or just put hooks in the wall. But instead, I'm actually trying to think, what can I make that will bring content to my channel that will also make the the wall look cool as well? Um, like we, we talked about in the pre-show, I put out a video last week of uh, 3D printed drawer pulls for all my drawers. And uh, when I first made the drawers, I was going to buy drawer pulls that I could put labels in. And I never did it because they were too expensive, but I found content in being able to make a 3D model and and print that for the draw pools instead, rather than just buying a draw pool that looked cool. So I, I'm conflicted about this because I, I one, obviously want to make content, but two, I want to get stuff done. And a lot of times when it comes to like certain projects, I, I purposefully like narrow them down so that they wouldn't make a good video so that I don't film it. Like in my mind, I've yeah, gone, no, well, I don't want to make this. I don't want to make this into content. I want to get it done. So I'm going to make the boring version so that I have no reason. And then halfway through, I fuck everything up and I go, this would have made a good <laughs> video. And then I go, well, can I, can I go back and redo the first part? No, I can't. I don't have time for that. Well, guess that one's just throw that one in the garbage, right? Like whatever. So this is where I'm torn. <laughs> Because if I instead took the approach of these, the the content is the thing that matters and the projects are the things that make the content happen, I think I would have a better, uh, just a better overall videos and better uh, thought process when I'm making in general. Yeah, I think, I don't, you know, I don't think it's any secret that I'm starting to like veer into the category of like, content even without projects. Um, I feel like the maker camp video that I, I just put out was, was kind of, you know, a preview of like what some of that might be. And I love making stuff like that is a definite constant in my life. And, but I like the business and the, and you know, what I love doing for YouTube is making the videos. And to me, that doesn't necessarily have to be making something. But one thing I do find is that, you know, in my video making process, it involves a lot of sitting down and thinking and like very critical thinking. And I find that just like making stuff and working my hands is a really nice break and just change of pace from the actual video editing and, and parts of the video production, like, you know, speaking to camera and other things. So I'm, it's hard to speak to like any sort of trend right now because I feel like my life is in, in such a state of transition with the move and like the growth of the channel and just everything changing. Um, but yeah, like with working on the tour lectern, for example, like I did some work on it today 
And now I've, I've kind of figured out a way to actually make a video about this, but through the project filming itself, it's a very, it's a very low impact filming because the video is kind of going to be like why I didn't make a video about this project. And I just need some like time-lapse B-roll sort of things, but the majority of the filming will be on the install day and afterwards. So it's just like I said, it's the, I, I narrowed down a project so I couldn't make a video. And then halfway through it, I went, oh, this would be a good idea if I made a video out of this. <laughs> yeah. And now you have to but, ramp up production again. But it's fine because like, so one of the most inspirational things I saw recently was uh, an old Casey Neistat video where it was, uh, it's called like crash my boosted board, broke my Rolex. And it wasn't the video itself that was really inspirational, although it was a really good video. It was the fact that I had something super similar happen to me at Maker Camp. I crashed my one wheel and I broke my watch. It wasn't a Rolex. It was, it was a Hamilton, but it's still like a relatively expensive watch. And, but I didn't make a video about that. So I started watching the video and I was thinking like, I wonder how he did this. What did he happen to be filming when he crashed? And he wasn't, he started filming directly after the crash. He just had the presence of mind to be like, this will be a good video. So I'm going to, this is the story now I'm going to start filming. And it made me realize that like, I could have done that. I could have made basically the same video, but I didn't have that same presence of mind to think that a video was there. And it, 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 it's made me, at least in the last week, be a lot more open to like video ideas as they've come up and just like kind of be on the lookout for interesting things and just practice, you know, taking out my phone and starting to take a video if I notice something interesting is going to happen, even if it doesn't turn into a video, but just trying to capture those moments. And even if it just becomes part of another video. So it right. reminds me of the time I fell uh, I was walking in the, my backcountry camping trip and I was making a video of the trip and I fell, right? And I, the first thing I did is pulled out my, my camera and I started talking to the camera. And then like, I don't know, 30 seconds later, I went, I'm an idiot. I'm in the middle of the forest. I just fell. I'm like, you know, limping a little bit now. Why am I talking to a camera? And I put it away. Yeah. And in reality, what I should have done is just like, I should have spent like five minutes with the camera. What's five minutes having the camera out there, even if I kept walking, keep the camera rolling for five minutes in case, like, cause there's always that, that first reaction, grab it first. And then like I, for me, I go like a minute later, I have a much more profound thought and I, and it's gone. Right. And if I have the camera, I can just say it and it's there. And if I don't, it's yeah. So it's, yeah, I don't know. Yeah. I, I, I got to keep rolling. You got to keep rolling. So I don't know if I've mentioned it before, but I was part of this like reality TV show thing where they did on the, it was for YouTube, but it ended up becoming an actual TV show in the end. Uh, But they had a full production crew following us around for the race team. And they hated me because as soon as they've put the camera down, I said something clever or funny every time. (laughs) So they started dropping the camera and putting it right back up and they captured some stuff and you can go, we can, we'll link it in the, in the show notes. If you want to go watch the video, it's called, this is Canadian touring car. Uh, I think it's like episode eight, but we'll link it in the show notes, but they grabbed all these little bits from the weekend, including some of the clever things I said 30 seconds later. And why is this five, I don't know, eight years later, I'm only now thinking that I should draw from those experiences. I don't know. Anyways, making projects because they are the content. 
I think to okay. Adam's point, um, you know, about like might, might not have made that project if I wasn't filming something about it. I think kind of where I'm at is that, you know, if I made a project about every little thing and every little shop infrastructure I want to make, I'm never going to get to the places where I want to be because the videos that I'm making, I want to be very intentional about like, why is this interesting? Why is someone going to watch this? And each little thing that I build that I might need isn't necessarily going to fit in that category. So I think I need, there's a lot of like small things I want to do, little shop infrastructure. I definitely just need like a cross cut sled for my table saw storage things, yada, yada, yada. Those things can all happen in the background. And I'm, and I'm very happy with that. And the nice thing for me about working on those things, kind of like I mentioned before, is that it gives me mental, a mental break to sort of think about all the other things and, and a bit of practice. Um, and just, you know, you can't, if you're, if you're training to become a professional surfer, you're not going to film every single, you know, practice run. Yeah, there's right. going to be a lot that happens off camera. I got a title idea for your crosscut sled. Why it took me two years to build a crosscut sled. <laughs> you got now. You got an interesting title. Yeah. Um, well, and I think like bringing it back to Casey Neistat, you know, because he was making daily videos for a while. I think that's why a lot of his videos have the flavor that they do of like something very random that most people would probably never have thought to make a video about is because he was doing it every day and he needed to find something interesting in every day. Um, and you know, I've, I'm considering doing another daily video challenge because I think when I did that, those five days, it just makes you look at things in a really fun way. The problem is for me is that it just takes, it took over my life for like five days. So it's really hard to like do anything else. (laughs) while you're doing that. Uh, so maybe, I don't know, maybe in a few months or, or never again, but really opens your eyes to people that daily vlog every day for like a year. This reminds me of the, uh, make ideas reality podcast where Justin, uh, he interviewed a guy named Matthew Dix and he has a book called, uh, it's like story worthy or something like that. I can't remember exactly, but it's something like that. We'll, we'll again, link it in the show notes, but his, he has in the book, he talks about this thing he calls homework for life. And he says, every day you write down, he, you know, suggests an Excel spreadsheet or whatever. Every day you write down one moment that is that day's story. So you pull one moment out of it. And that becomes what that day's story was about. And you only need to find one moment every day. It takes you five minutes to do this. And if you're thinking about like Casey Neistat, that's what he was doing every day. He was pulling one moment from his day and turning that moment into a story. And and I don't know if you've read it yet, Morley, but I I know I talked about it before. Um, But yeah, you should go read Storyworthy. And you should, because he talks about how to pull those moments out and how to make them an interesting story. Now he takes them from an interesting story, talking about them. Uh, he does uh, like the storytelling competitions on a stage where you get up and do them. But I think it can be really relatable to your YouTube in the way that you're going with it, Morley. This is by the same guy, Matthew Dix. Yeah, Matthew Dix. Yeah. Cool. Yeah. Yeah, that reminds me of. Um something I heard Bert Kreischer say on one of his podcasts, I think it was two bears, one cave. And, uh, he was just, he's a comedian. It's a comedy podcast. He was talking about how like he just tries to like suck 
the flavor out of every day. I don't know if that's the right expression, but you know, get as much as squeeze as much as he can out of every day. And he was talking about just like being out to dinner with his wife and him asking like how her food was. And she was just saying, yeah, it's fine. And he got kind of angry. He was like, what are you doing? Like, you can't just say it's fine. Like, tell me about it. Like, tell me about the flavor. Like what's interesting about it. And it was, it was a really good point where it's like, you know, someone like Bert Kreischer who might seem just like ridiculously over the top in, in how they describe things, you know, like, Oh, like this was the best lunch ever. This was the craziest night ever. He, I think he's really just having like similar experiences to a lot of people, albeit with like a lot of, you know, fluff on top and, and all these other things. But it's all about just how you approach it. Like you can sit down for dinner at the end of the day and just say like, oh, my day was fine and, and not really put anything else on top of it. But if you put the effort to like actually talk about it and like say that all the things that were interesting, you'll find the interesting parts of the day. They're always there. You just have to like look at it in a certain way. A hundred percent. And I think it's something that you lose as you get older because my son the other day was like, we need to go pick out Hot Wheels to race. He said, you need to pick out like a Hot Wheel and then tell me why you like it. Why did you pick this one? Right? What's interesting about it? This is what my four-year-old asked me to do was exactly that. And I'm like, and I think it's something that as you get older, you go, well, these, these people don't want to know what is interesting. They don't want to know like... But people do. They want to hear what your thoughts, like they want to know why you think it's good, right? It's very palpable if you go to see stand-up comedy and you just have someone who bombs and then someone comes up afterwards who just lights the room on fire and they're getting everyone laughing and you're like, no, the problem isn't the room. It's it's all about how you approach it. You know, anyone can turn a, the situation, the social situation a moment or like being at a party, you know, like everything seems boring. People are just bumbling around. And then a person comes in who is just like starts being silly and, you know, adding some flavor onto anything. And there's definitely people who, who are like on who you just see. Like I remember maker camp, there was a few people just in the background. You could just see, like, I remember uh, wood, wood brain. Um, I can't remember her, her actual name, but uh Anyways, I just would see her like always on stage. She was the one who like opened up karaoke with uh, Barefoot Forge and they were and like always just like it just seemed like she was having the time of her life and she was bringing the party with her everywhere. Um, you know, so it's always it's good to see those people. Um, and I think it's good to recognize those people and how they can you know, like they can you need you can feed off their energy, right? You can either be mad that they're happy, or you can be part of that energy, right? And I think there, you know, I think it's a more positive place in your life to be, you know, see someone who's having a good time and go, I want to have a good time too. I think I think that's what I was trying to say um, a couple of episodes ago where we talked about like sort of stepping up your personality a little bit, like with the intros and all that sort of stuff of like being like, hey guys, like. I think because people feed off that energy and being able to feed off that energy is what makes people want to watch the video. Yeah. And that's one of like what you're talking about in the pre-show um, with me. You said you were making videos like every week for the last few weeks. And you're probably finding yeah. that with that consistency, it becomes a little easier to be more excited because like you're not finding your way right back into it each time. De definitely. Definitely. Yeah. 
yeah, I think we talked about that as well, you know, like, cause I'm recording so much more often now and not having to sort of relearn how to be, um, like generally happy sort of thing in my, or like comfortable, should I say, when recording. Um, to take it back to the topic a little bit though, I know I talked about like, you know, doing like the 3d printing stuff just to get content, but also like I put out a video, um, I think it was either last week or the week before where I restored a hand plane. I'm going to be completely honest. I'm never going to use that hand plane. I'm not much of a hand tool person. I might grab it like maybe once a year if I'm lucky. That primarily was for content. I've had, mm. I have this drawer full of tools that need to be restored. I've got a lathe that needs to be restored. I'm never going to use them. I'm primarily doing them for the content. It reminds me of a David Picciuto. We just had them on the podcast when he was, takes his project that he made for a video and drops it off at Goodwill or, or whatever. And I'm like, yeah, you, you made it for the video. I get it. Yeah. But that's like, he's still making it for, you know, someone's still getting that in the end. And I have a hard time, you know, making something just for a video, which I think is a, a disadvantage or like a, one of my weaknesses is I try to find that like, oh, this is the thing that we need. So this is what I'm going to make for a video, which really limits you. Um, it's, it, it can add excitement to the project and some like realness to it, which is also great, but there's a, there's a certain creativity where it's like, I can make anything that I want and where it ends up doesn't really matter because it's more about the story of making it. But when I think about it, there's no stakes to his, if at the end he's giving it away, there's zero, I have no, in the end, I have no stakes in it. I don't like, that's the problem that I see is that in the end, everything that I've built up to, he doesn't care because he knows he's dropping it off at goodwill. Right. Whereas with you, the mm. excitement is I need this to work for me. Right. That's why yeah. I think his piano video that he talked about on the, I think it was, I don't know if we talked about it in the after show. I think we did, but I thought it was no, a really good no. video. There were real stakes to that. There was a person at the end that was going to get this, who had toured with it everywhere. The stakes were there. It was real. There mm-hmm. was a chance the guy was going to say, F you, David, you screwed up my piano. Right. That was possible. It's unlikely, but it was possible. Right, yeah, mm-hmm. and in it, when he makes these like that cool, I don't know, three drawer thing, yeah, it was cool. But in the end, he gave it away to Goodwill, and it's like, oh, there's no stakes, right? If you'd completely screwed that up, no stake, you know, it didn't matter. If you'd, you know, if it yeah. fell apart tomorrow, it doesn't matter. It's in go like it's not even in your house anymore. So that's where I think the yeah, well, I think doing something that you need or that someone else needs adds a lot of excitement and re- and realness to it. But I get it takes away from the potential creativity. I mean, it's kind of like making a dining, not dining, a coffee table, hoping to mm-hmm. sell it or whatever, and then end up just keeping it because it doesn't sell. <laughs> but even like David Trudeau's done, the, the, the wiener co- dog coffee table is was his yeah. coffee table. I was like, this is awesome. This yeah. is something mm. he has to live with. He has to look at. He... He, he's, you know, I want to, he's going to want to do a good job. That's why I probably don't make as much stuff as I want, because if you're making it for content and I know he's, he's talked about it. And so is Bob, like you do one coat of finish and then you take the pictures and then yeah. maybe later you'll put seven more coats on, or maybe you don't. I'm, you know, man, people say that, 
But you know, putting finish on does not really take that long. Oh my if God, you are, I hate it. <laughs> it depends on what you're doing. I don't know. People like, I honestly find that my quality of work is better when I'm filming it because I think it takes down barriers in my head and it gets me to like, just do stuff. But again, like you said, there's also stakes. It's like, I don't want to mess up in front of the camera. And I think it just, it just, it's just the right level of pressure to allow me to be like, okay, I have everything that I need. I'm just going to do this step mm-hmm. um, where enough, where there's enough pressure where I want to get it right, but there's not so much that I'm second guessing myself. So another thing is this making, making projects because of the content. It, it reminds me of uh, uh, the maker swaps that we've either been doing or even I did with like dead rise woodcraft uh, he did these like maker maker swaps where he would make something and, and the other person would make something. And every month he had an exchange with someone. Uh, and I think I, I'm making it for someone else, but in reality, I, I I'm making it for the content, right? Like that's, he's making a video. I'm making a video. We're doing kind of those were a bit different. Like the well, collaborations like, like are, are making, yeah. yeah, are making projects because of the content. Right. And I think that's something that, that, like, obviously you can collab with anyone and not make a video about it, but I feel like there's some, you can get more interesting results because of the content, because you're picking someone for a particular skill set they have, because you've seen their content and you want their content involved, right? Like, I think those little collabs can make it so that, you know, because you're making a project for the content, you're you're making something you wouldn't have made. Mm-hmm. Yeah, well, like mm-hmm. when I was at um, when I was at Maker Camp for that video, I ended up doing like a few interviews. So like I, I sort of unintentionally interviewed Gordo when I toured his bus. Yeah, and then I interviewed Keith Drennan about the Maker Swap, and then I interviewed uh, Dennis Tyrell, who ended up getting the box, and it sort of got my gears turning a little bit about that as a format for a video about like the video, not being like me, you know, making something and then showing it, but the video be more being like me interviewing someone else or like going through their space and it being more about them. Mm-hmm. And there's a maker's market in the town that I live in now. And I finally got a chance to go in there last week and they had all these like huge variety of woodworking pieces, a lot of stuff with resin, like some river tables Um, and then stuff that is, was, is a bit more like understated and things with like metal legs and like all sorts, all sorts of stuff. And so I was talking to the shopkeeper there and because I had the idea of like, it would be an interesting video to go into the economics of selling at one of these makers markets. So like, Mm. what is it, you know, it's, it's basically a gallery model, right? Like they make a commission when you sell, which is higher than if you were to just sell it on your, on your own, because you're using their real estate and their marketing. And I was like, Oh, this could be a good video. Like how much money can you make selling in a maker's market? So I was talking to the shopkeeper about, um, what is the process for selling in there and told her that I do some woodworking. And she was saying, Oh, well, you know, like as long as it doesn't, it's not too close to, I I can't remember the guy's name, but like his stuff, who's one of the owners. And I was like, Oh, did one guy do all of the woodworking in here? And she said, yeah, it's, he's one of the owners. Oh, wow. Um, so I realized pretty quickly, like, you know, pr- 
probably, unless I'm doing something very different from what he's doing, good chance that I won't be able to sell stuff in here because he has such a wide range of things. But I could make a video about him and his maker's market Mm -hmm. and follow him through a project and interview him about the economics of it all. I think you're well-suited for that because you're able to capture things that I think other people miss. Um, Like when I watch your videos about events, I go, I wish I was at that event and I was there, right? (laughs) That's how how good you make it look. Um, Like even when we went on the canoe trip, when I watched your video, I went, fuck, I wish I'd gone on that canoe trip, right? Like it was so good. Oh, I was there, right? Like it was just like so well- you grabbed all of the stuff and I, we shared all of our footage and you came yeah. up with a capture. You got, you saw something I didn't see. So, well, and, and that's also kind of like the curse of influencers on social media is, you know, they make things look better online than they do in real life. Yeah. But yeah, I guess that's true. Your, but, your video gave me so much FOMO. It's not funny. Like, <laughs> I feel like I missed out on like the biggest thing to ever happen. Well, you know what? It's going to keep happening. So you can keep, you can keep going. It's not like, it's not like Woodstock where it only happened once. Right. There's no end in sight. Not, not for makers camp, high caliber camp. You might've missed out. Maybe if, um, if I can get to 10,000 subscribers by next year, I'll go. (laughs) (laughs) All right. Well, everyone, why don't you guys do that? And while you're you're pausing to go and subscribe to Maker Mackey on on the YouTube and Instagram and all that stuff, I'll thank our patrons. So I would like to thank uh, Brent Jarvis from Clean Cut Woodworking, Vincent Ferrari from Digitally Creative, Austin from the High Caliber Craftsman, Scott Orham from Dad It Yourself DIY, Joe Herdina, and we have a new top level F clamp level supporter, Lawrence from Maritime Knife Supply. Uh, thank you to all of you. It's amazing that you guys all support us. Um, there's also a lot of other supporters and all, everyone who supports us at no matter what the level gets access to a pre-show after show and a Morley Kurt, the YouTube sensation Morley Kurt will personally make you <laughs> a leather keychain that is numbered with your, uh, you know, the number of when you signed up. Um, so, Everyone go over to patreon.com slash clamp. If you can't do that, we completely understand. We appreciate everyone who listens. And of course, everyone who shares the show and, you know, all of that. So thank you very much. And on to Clampendations. All right. My Clampendation this week is going to be a YouTube channel called Bikes and Bids. Um, It's primarily two guys um, that run this channel and it's just a lot of bike stuff to be honest um one of their big things is they go to like an auction whenever they go to the auction they buy the cheapest bike they can and then try and get it started and they always give the bike away or no no sorry they don't give it away they they trade it so like the the video is send in like your trades and then they try and find a trade so this week i posted a story asking for recommendations for a computer to better edit videos. And a lot of people reach out, which was very helpful. Thank you to everyone who sent me messages. Um, and a friend that I went to university with, Tanner Gooding, he was like, hey, if you have time, uh, why don't we have a phone call? So I talked to him on the phone today 
and you know him be, he's been like one of my patreon supporters for a long time he's really great guy um so he kind of knows how i work so it was, it was good to talk to him and he kind of listened to like all the pain points i had about my editing software crashing about things slowing down and kind of got me around to trying to um get an external solid state hard drive to edit off instead of a hdd uh install some more ram on my computer and just start with that and see if that is sufficient because one thing he'd like i didn't really think about before asking this question is it's good to wait as long as possible to invest in a desktop and while i was thinking that um portability wasn't a big factor for me because i'm pretty just settled in my like at home editing setup it is a nice thing to have from time to time so um yeah tanner was super gracious with his time and like sending me links of stuff to check out because like i use computers but i've never built a computer um so great guy he actually recently i don't know if he wants me to say this but i'm gonna say it anyway he recently left his engineering job to pursue photography um while he worked Mm. on the side um so Go give his page some love. Urban Gentleman Photography. He takes really beautiful photos. He's based in Montreal if you need any photos there. Yeah. When you posted that story and you said, like, I just want a PC, like a desktop, I went, well, that's why I didn't reach out to you. But I was like, I really think you should consider the the chance that you might want to take your laptop with you someday and just, like, go into the forest and edit to get a, a feel. Like, I feel like that's you. Like you might yeah. just one day be like, yeah. I want to do this, right? Like to me, but then you were like, I just want to, I was like, well, he could always just use his old shitty laptop or that. Yeah. He really yeah. wanted to. Ma- makes anyways. a portable 3D printing station and then wants to lock in his editing rig. I wasn't editing at the portable 3D printing station. I also, I was talking over you as you said that, but I think you sent yeah. your suggestion after I had already talked with Tanner. So I was like, oh, okay, I- I'm past that. <laughs> Right. <laughs> it, I, I will say I have an external solid state drive and in Zencaster or not Zencaster, uh, the editing software we both use Vegas. Yeah. It, I don't know. It doesn't, it doesn't work well with my setup. Okay. I, I, I mean, I transfer I edit- everything to my hard drive, uh, but I also have a solid state drive in my computer. So yeah, maybe that's, yeah. I'm also like, you know, I've done some work on premiere, so I'm not opposed to switching over. Like, I think I was building up the learning curve in my head a bit, but with this, with this sort of processes I do, um, once I have some more memory in my computer, I think it will be a much better experience yeah. if I did want to switch over to Premiere. I, I will say that when I switched my new laptop, it crashed a lot less. Like Vegas crashed a lot less mm. when I had like upgraded, like it's upgraded everything compared to my old right. laptop. I'll say that I love my laptop. I love that I can edit on the go. The biggest thing I did was put in a solid state drive primarily for footage. I put a one terabyte in. I wish I put it in a two terabyte because having to carry around an external hard drive and plug it in all the time is the most infuriating thing when you're trying to edit on your lap. Ooh, I never use my laptop on my lap. (laughs) All right. My clamp mandation this week, I'm going to, I'm going to clamp mandate Steve house and Brett, uh, McAfee, uh, Skull and Spade 13, Moonshine Metalworks. Uh, they were great at the Maker Camp. They 
just chatting with them and talking about blacksmithing and all that. And Steve let me make a nail and uh, it was a lot of fun. I wish I had more time to spend with them and I wish they weren't so busy and I could have spent more time with them and maybe learned a little more, but uh, you should, you should check them out. And of course, if you're going to check them out, check out Al's hack shack and the whole fools with tools uh, podcast. Yeah. Yeah. I uh, had the good fortune also of meeting Brett and Steve at maker camp. And they were super nice. Mm -hmm. I will say Steve is taller than I thought. And Brett is shorter than I thought. (laughs) I don't know. And Brett was cooler than I thought. I don't know if that's possible, but in real life, he's cooler than he is in the videos. I don't know what it was. So anyways, take that as you will. Uh, At this point, we would normally be doing Morley reading a review. But that takes people to send in reviews. And since people don't send in reviews every week, we've changed over to doing Adam's Slang of the Week. If you want your word or any slang read on the show, send it over to Adam directly on his Instagram uh, at Maker Mackey. And he will then read the word out. And Morley and I will try and guess what it is. Um, it's fun, uh, you know, anywhere in the world, any kind of local thing that you guys talk about, you know, send it in. And now over to you, Adam. Well, I'm going to be honest, before we started recording, I didn't have a word. Um, I actually used up our last one last week. I put a quick story up on my fo- on my Instagram and got a few suggestions. So we're good for a couple of weeks. This week, I hope I haven't done this before because it is an Aussie slang, but it is okay. plugger. No. If you've done it, I've forgotten it. <laughs> um, can you use it in a sentence? And don't uh, forget, I if you're going to send in a slang of the week, add a sentence. Yeah, make that sure you tell me what it means. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I had a couple, of, a couple of people who responded to my story and they didn't put what it meant. They just put the word. <laughs> um, I bust my plugger. <laughs> That's the best you're going to get because anything else is going to give too much away. So I'm wondering if bust means like to break. Um, is that an Australian word too? Because Oh, no, I know this one. It's flip flops or thongs. Oh, yes. I remember yes, this. Yes, you you have done is, it before. Yeah, okay, I have, have done, done it before. before. Wait, so what does bust mean in this context? Yeah, to break. Oh, okay. Hmm. I would say like I busted oh. my pluggers. Yeah. Agreed. Uh, Well. Busted. My pluggers are busted. Busted? Yeah. yeah, Okay, it is a word. Yeah. Yeah. Well, on that bombshell, I want to thank TF Turning for our theme song. Uh, I want to, you know, thank everyone who's listening. If you want to find us, you can find us everywhere at uh, Clampcast on the Clampstagram, the Clamptube, the Clampbook. We're everywhere. We got two followers, I think, now on on Facebook, so that's great. Uh, so, mm-hmm. if you want to have direct conversations with us, Facebook's the place because no one else will be there. Uh, <laughs> until next time, <laughs> thank you, everyone. Cheers, and have a great day. Goodbye. Bye.